you are invited as we delve into the unhinged. Well, it ain't working now, Frank. the movie line. The grotesque. And the bizarre. Who calls me from out of the pit? Whether you asked for it or not. This is Late Night Psychorama. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Late Night Psychorama, the podcast that involves uh, three hopeless. hopeless dreams of viewing and discussing horror films that are a bit more neglected obscured in the in the further reaches of the spectrum focusing primarily on movies of the drive-in and grindhouse era although that rule can be blurred you know there's no it's not strictly exactly it's just kind of like where we just usually there's no good reference point yeah um we openly ignore movies that are kind of done to death Halloween Suspiria you know there's a lot other places that tackle them probably much better than we ever could uh this isn't academic it's not pretentious these are talks that are more akin to if you left a screening of an old horror movie at some revival house and you just saw those weirdos like talking about it outside that's more what this sounds like (coughs) It's uh, it's passionate but loose, somewhat off balance. Real loose. Just be mindful that there are spoilers, uh, opinions you'll probably never agree with, random segues, <laughs> and insufferable banter. And this is late night psychorama. We should put that actually in the promo material somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> insufferable banter. <laughs> And uh, I'm Jonathan. I'm Joe. And I'm Andrew. And today we are doing Witchfinder General. With the tranquility of rural England shattered by civil war, evil was spawned at a time of strife in the land. Take him, Stern. Look for the devil's marks upon him. Right. How about you, Duke? Pounding the innocent in violence and terror, this evil man showed no mercy in the pursuit and interrogation of his victims. He was called the Witchfinder General. And Count, Count Yorga, Yorga vampire, vampire is a film that throws you into a world of which we know little. Strange, frightening, whispered from generation to generation until it becomes a scream out of the past. You enjoyed your little joke last night, Doctor. As you can see, tonight is mine. Incredible, yeah. You really are a vampire? Yes. It did happen to them. It could happen to you. Count Yorga, vampire. Uh, I guess we'll start with Witchfinder General. Why don't you start us off, Joe? Matthew Hopkins and his assistant John Stern terrorize England with their witch-hunting ways, causing misery and death wherever they are called. But when they kill Richard Marshall's future father-in-law and rape his beloved Sarah, Hopkins' days are numbered. Yeah, I think Vincent Price made an excellent villain in this one. Yeah, he was. This is the most like rugged and scary Vincent Price has ever been. Like even like he plays a great villain in Mask of the Red Death, but 
it still kind of has that camp theatrical quality. Yeah. This one, he's just like bare bones meanness. And he's just, he's a bad guy in a bad world, you know? Yeah, no, no. The whole, like this whole movie is brutal, barren, and godless. Yeah. Like it is just the landscape, like the, the whole movie takes place in just this harsh, like empty, desolate hopeless world that just like really sinks into that you can you hear like the winds blow but not like in a, in a cheesy haunted house movie way just like in this like kind of empty sad the, which, my, which i think actually gets accentuated by the fact that the british countryside is so much of the visual in the movie yeah so you have these like really picturesque things and it like it somehow serves to make the hopelessness and the dread be even worse yeah. somehow. And, and the fact that, it, like, the movie itself, you know, it cuts out, like, melodramatics and it's just kind of matter of fact about everything. Like, even the violence is, is mundane yes. almost. Wh- which and, was by design. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I mean, this movie doesn't feel like accident at all. It feels like it is, it is, it, it was crafted like with all this in mind yeah it's very cold-blooded and it just feels cold you know yeah oh (laughs) yeah i right off the bat the beginning you start with matthew hopkins the 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 witch finder general the the titular character um leading an old lady who's accused of witchcraft to be hung and you just like follow her whatever you just follow her while she's just shrieking for mercy, there's no music or anything. The townsfolk yeah. is just, you know, yeah. like in on it. And you just get there, they hang her, and and then everybody walks out. And right there, it just it just sets the tone perfectly. Like like it's the the violence is brutish, but true. It it's actually to this day like. Like, because I've seen this movie a number of times. It's actually, it's probably one of my favorite movies. And that opening, like, still makes me, like, just feel horrible. Like, there's some old lady just living her life. The old lady, like, actually, like, like, gets so scared she faints and they just throw water on her face to get her back up and keep marching her to the gallows. So she can feel. Her execution. They want her to be awake for it. Yeah, and and you know, um, I read a little bit on the on the real Matthew Hopkins, and when he would actually do that, when he would like finally take somebody <laughs> to be executed, he would make sure like the town went with him because it was a way of like it was like advertising his services, like to have this like big scene, you know, so more people would know yeah. what's going on. He can pass out like his pamphlets and stuff. Like he actually had oh, pamphlets. Really? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, that was really, ugh. yeah. He like, yeah, he turned it into a spectacle. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was his job. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Yeah. To think that an entire town would like turn on someone. Oh yeah. Just well, because it's like, Oh, you know, they're, they're a nice person and all it's like, Oh, but she's a witch. It's like, well then she's going to die. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, it was sort of like they, they would point the finger at somebody they didn't like. And it was easy. All you had to do was have the mark of the devil on you, yeah. which was like a mole or something. If you had some blemish on your skin, that was the one they're like, that's his third tit. 
yeah. where they were like imps and stuff drink blood out of and that person's devilish and all the all the yeah all the testing which i know some of it's accurate is like we're gonna drown you and if you float then and try to yeah. try to not drown you're you're a witch, you're a witch but if yes. you die then whoops Oops. You know? yeah <laughs> and, there, and there's no consequence whatsoever but um all in the name of you know but uh, but also i think a lot of people got involved with the hysteria so that they didn't like if you protested against it it was sort of like oh why yeah, you it was know like self-preservation yeah yeah yeah, it was yeah, like you had said it was just it's a, it's a hopeless world. Like yeah. if someone you you know or love gets accused, that's it. And this is 1969, 68 or 68. 68. So it was like the time of Hammer movies and stuff and the fact that this movie is just so well, it, it, add the fact that this movie is very anti-authority. You know, it uh the Matthew Hopkins just uses this yeah. like power for yeah, he's given the every power horrible, by the yeah, every horrible reason. the The main hero is held back from other authority figures, yeah. and it it just like it just makes it all yeah. that much more like drearily dreary. Yeah, the church is more powerful than like the army. Yeah, yeah, and not only that, like, but the army is just not even that open to help anything. You know, he's like, oh no, we got to go fight this war. It, it takes place all in the in the in the English Civil War, what sixteen forty four, sixteen forty five. Yep, when Oliver Cromwell was running around brutalizing everyone. There's one part where, uh, yeah, Matthew Hopkins and what's his his little John part? Stern. He, they they go through the woods. And they're, you know, pieces of shit, you know, and they go through and then all of a sudden they are confronted with the army and the army, I mean, they're pieces of shit too, yeah, so yeah, they're trying dude. to rob them of all their like horses. Yeah. Like, uh, and it was just kind of like just two yeah, bad groups yeah, meeting each other. Yeah, there's nobody to really like rely on <laughs> yeah, there, in this world. There is a hero <laughs> in the story, but yeah. Yeah, but even so, he has to defy his orders yeah. to get vengeance. Yeah, know? and... and 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 then he gets called out on it by his superior yep, and yep. and and the superior like he had saved his his superior officer's life at one point early on in the movie and that is actually what uh saves him from getting court martialed yeah. like as a result because he says I would I would sleep ill you know if I sent a man to the gallows that I knew had spared my life right or save my life, rather. Um, so, I guess let's talk about Vincent Price's performance first, because a lot of that ties into Michael Reeves, the yeah, director. Yes, yes. I, I know the story of how he wasn't the first choice for the movie. Yes. So, okay. So, a l- little bit of... of of background, so Tony Tenser, who is the the head honcho of Tygon Productions, who made a couple of other little gems that maybe we'll get to one day, um, he uh, purchased the rights to film the 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 story like from from a, a book. It was like just a straight history written, which is kind of weird because I read that it actually wasn't even. A published book he, he was still reading it like it, it was a galley proof that okay. was like something that was like on its way to being published but it wasn't completed yet but he said he um he impulsively bought it because when he read it even though he wasn't 
into like you know he thought that the novel itself was dry because it was just a, kind of like a, a history lesson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said like he saw that there was like some like depth to the story and that you had a a canvas that you could make a movie with, and he gave it to Michael Reeves who had just done The Sorcerers with Boris Karloff which is a great movie and I hope we do that one day um, and he basically just was like you want to do this and Michael Reeves very enthusiastically said yes he definitely wants to do that so he and a friend of his who um, wonderfully enough is named Tom Baker uh-huh. which yeah not that Tom Baker but anyone named Tom Baker is cool in my book uh, he had written Sorcerers with him, so what the, he he pulled him in to sit down and do the the screenplay for Witchfinder General. And back then, the BBFC had a had a a rule where you had to even submit your script first, yeah, before filming. And they had to submit it three times because the first two times it was too violent for their taste. So if you can imagine, this movie was actually more violent yeah. in, in the script when it was written. Wow. Um, and uh, finally, they toned it down and kind of like, uh, I guess, changed like the, the overall tone of the movie slightly for the third draft that got approved. Well, they wrote Matthew Hopkins with Donald Pleasance in mind. Who I always try to imagine like him, like his version of it, which I can kind of see. Well, well, the, the idea was that they wanted to portray Hopkins as being like a ridiculous like buffoon, basically. Oh. And they figured like, oh, Donald Pleasance would be able to do that and oh, okay. and still give it like some some like dignified like quality and plus he actually uh if i remember correctly they said like he actually uh bore some kind of physical resemblance to the real matthew hopkins okay. so they like he was who was you know hopkins was in their mind and i think he actually like it had been run by him and i think he was like not officially but i think he was kind of like kind of kind of given like the okay on it but then aip got involved um this movie was just going to be a tax write off <laughs> for them yeah and uh when they got involved they insisted on vincent price cuz they had him under contract still at the time so Right from the get-go, Michael Reeves uh, was not happy that get what he wanted. That he didn't get what he wanted, um, and he let Vincent Price know it like immediately. (laughs) Uh, First, he didn't meet him at the airport, which was like a faux pas, but he like did it deliberately to piss him off. And the, the, and then when they did finally meet, like I guess when he got taken to the set, the first thing Michael Reeves reportedly said to him was, "I didn't want you. I still don't want you. And now I'm stuck with you." So we should. We that's should, how that started. We should mention Michael Reeves was only 24 when he made this. <laughs> Talking to Vincent Price like that. Yeah, but I yes. mean, just the fact that he he crafted this is a pretty good movie. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, like, and that's one of like the things about this movie and about Michael Reeves. That's like, like you can see what like 
like this was only his third movie yeah. and like you could see like where like that might be headed like you could tell that oh. he he had quite the eye and quite the grasp on not only everything. that like th- this was his last movie was in 1968 could you imagine him in the 70s when the gloves came off of movies like, yeah he could have exactly definitely done something oh um but also i can understand where he's going because if you look at this movie it's a lot different from the other vincent price movies like this is not like one of the poe roger right. foreman movies this is this is almost new Hollywood, where it's just like a lot of handheld, a lot of like natural, real land, like you know, scenario or uh, scenery, not studio stuff or anything. There's like that. There's a high-speed horse chase in this movie that I liked. Is that like off-topic? I was just thinking of this. No, yeah, that, that, that goes in with everything because it kind of gives you like. Like you know, like like he thought to throw this in, which like maybe tonally on paper you might not think fits with the rest of it, but it does because it an gives it scene. something. The, the action cool. scenes are actually well shot in here too. Like the the, the fight scene between uh, the lead and John Stern is 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 what what uh, the what bar scene? Yeah, yes. it's, it's actually a really well done fight scene. Yeah, what uh, Ian Ogilvy who who plays uh, Marshall said was like he had known michael reeves for for a while and he he said uh that michael was like like when it came to the technical aspects of filmmaking he said he was like an absolute like like genius okay at it but one thing that he didn't really do because he didn't know how to do it but he like well i mean like like i said like he didn't know how to go about it so he didn't do it was actually direct the actors he said he he felt like well he he didn't really know much about acting and actors are actors so he didn't feel it was his place to step into their world and and you know and uh, and mess with their day unless it was like something where he felt like he had to like correct them on something but when it came to the performance, he kind of left them to do it how they wanted to do it, as long as it as it you know it jived with what he was trying to get. That's and, not unusual. Like a lot of technical directors right. are like that. They're, well, you know, it's like right brain, left brain, yeah. essentially. Well, what uh, what Vincent Price had said later was he, he he said after he saw the movie, and he realized like what had gone on, and like Michael Reeves had kind of like. Uh, semi like intentionally made him intentionally made him into that. Yeah. He saw like like the value in it, and and he, I think he he even said that he thinks it's like one of like his best performances that he ever gave. But he said he was like if he had just told me <laughs> yeah what he wanted like i would have cooperated like like i understand like he didn't want the camp and and that's fine he's like i i could do it without the camp like that was just you know like that was just kind of like the thing like you know that people liked that he would do so it's like but all he had to do is just communicate to me like what he wanted um some but, of me wonders if that's just uh, a nice coincidence for the director just not liking Vincent oh Price. yeah yeah <laughs> i i often wonder when i hear stories like that if like is that really what happened or is just like after all the dust settled like yeah i meant i, I meant that. <laughs> yeah. that i do that all the time every time well, something works well, in my favor so like, I don't yeah, just that was my well, master plan well, of course <laughs> well he he never said that 
The Michael Reeves never oh, said yeah, that. Oh yeah, yeah. He was he was dead. Didn't he die before it was released, or like shortly after? Shortly after. Um, yeah, he died unfortunately of a uh, barbiturate overdose. Uh, it wasn't like a suicidal thing. I think it was like a, a Heath Ledger yeah. like mixed medications situation, right? Um, but uh, he but he he would do things in the movie like like what like with certain scenes like deliberately trying to make Vincent Price angry like like he wanted him uh the one scene he wanted uh you know Hopkins is supposed to shoot a gun over his horse's head and Vincent Price was like okay well you know I just point and act like I'm firing and you know they do a post production you know sound effect or whatever and then he found out that they were like no you're going to shoot a blank cartridge and vincent price was like yeah you want me to shoot a gun blank or not between the ears of this fucking nag yeah what do you think the horse is gonna do and somehow he lost that argument so they do the scene and he vincent price Price actually lost that argument i don't know how but so they shoot the scene, and of course the horse throws him because scared. It got fucking scared, <laughs> and then Vincent Price was very, very angry after that. Like I think that's when, like on his, like I think until that point he was trying to kind of, kind of be a good sport and just sort of humor the youngster and just kind of like be the bigger person. Still, yeah, he's still a professional, right? Yeah. And I think that's like on his end when like. Yeah, not, like not necessarily that the gloves came off, but when he just stopped caring, like whether or not, like you know, he was upholding his thing because he actually came to the set uh, one day drunk. Nice. I don't think like hammered, but he he was visibly like you know he was tipsy, and I think like he probably did it either just to make Michael Reeves angry, or maybe he just felt like he needed that to get through his day of shooting. (laughs) But then that made Michael Reeves angry. Wasn't there, isn't there a story that like Michael Reeves would like not give Vincent Price notes or something. He would do something with his secretary to make him even more agitated. Yeah. He would withhold stuff from him. He would give, like he would try to give direction, but then not give any specifics. Like there was something where, this Vincent Price was saying he called he called cut on a scene and he said can you stop doing that and he was like what he's like that thing that thing with your head stop doing that (laughs) and Vincent Price was like I don't know what you're talking about what am I doing he's like see that you're doing it again stop doing that but he wouldn't tell him what he was doing and again you know more you know more wood getting thrown on the fire <laughs> the the uh the the hopkins death scene when uh uh marshall loses his mind you know and i understand why uh and he takes an axe to matthew hopkins when they shot that scene ian ogilvie said that michael reeves told him he said, I want you to really wail on him, basically. Mm. 
And Ian Ogilvy was like, uh, okay. And then like, like with this real axe, <laughs> right? <laughs> Luckily, it at least wasn't a real axe. But uh, he went to the producer and he was like, Michael wants me to like, you know, you know, basically beat the crap out of Vincent <laughs> with the stage axe. So the producer got like extra padding put in Vincent's like suit that had been designed yeah. for that scene so that Ian could make it look like he was really no, giving it yeah, to he's him. Really it's convincing. Hitting him. Right. It convincing yeah. Right. But but Vincent Price luckily, you know, didn't suffer as a result because the producer made sure that there was more padding yeah. put in. Can we talk about the ending for a minute? Because yes. it is masterful. Yeah. It, it, like it's just chaotic. It, pretty much um Hopkins and his assistant have the lead and his girlfriend uh, trapped in a castle. Chained to the walls. Chained to the walls, about to get some more extra brutal torture. Yeah, they're getting the uh, confession extracted. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the, um, what's the lead's name again? I'm terrible with names. Uh, Ian Ogilvy. Yeah, but what's his character's name? Richard Marshall. Richard Marshall... Uh, his uh, army buddies are coming here. They're running to the rescue. And before that, Marshall gets loose, battles Stern, and finally gets an axe and takes it to Mr. Hopkins and just starts... Well, he 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 kicks Stern in the face with his spur. Yeah, yeah, that's how he... Yeah, that that was pretty brutal. But... Not only is he just like wailing on Matthew Hopkins with this axe, but his his well, I guess they're married at this point. His wife is just wailing and shrieking, yeah. and and you just see this like he just has this like maniacal blood frenzy going on that he doesn't even hear it. So you're watching that, hearing her. Then his army friends come in see what's going on and they shoot Hopkins to put him out of his misery and then Marshall starts ranting about how they took away like that kill from him he's and like he keeps screaming you took him exactly from and he's just going insane and the whole time the girl's still shrieking in this like the whole thing has this like proto Texas chainsaw massacre like ending yeah. where it's just like shrill violent frantic. yeah and it's just like it's unnerving and it works and well because i'm pretty sure they thought they were like i mean it's just crazy like she was getting stabbed in the back oh for yeah the mark yeah of the yeah and oh, they're, no every, everything they're gonna it was a very bleak yeah everything works i'm uh, i'm just <laughs> yeah. saying like it doesn't have yeah. a, like a nice quaint epilogue yeah. like a lot of like sixties horror movies. No, this movie ends like it is yeah. peak moment of madness. Yeah, and it and works it, the better for it. And it it ends actually like on a still shot of her oh, screaming. screaming. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah, what a it fucking was, great movie. It, it was a good ending, a great ending. Um, just to talk talk about uh, um, the Stern character for a second. Which I, because I thought that this w- was interesting, because I actually never knew this, but um, um, shit, I forget his name. Oh, Robert Russell, who plays John Stern, uh, he's dubbed. Oh, that's not his voice. God's business, witch finding, right? <laughs> and it's actually the innkeeper in the scene 
in at the end, like when when him and Marshall, br- right? Brawl. The the it's it's actually the innkeeper wow. voice who he, they dubbed him over because Michael Reeves, when they got halfway through uh, filming, th- he he was like, oh, he's like, I made, I like like th- this is no good, like because he like Robert Russell apparently had like a more like kind of high pitched voice, okay. and he's like, this just does not work. <laughs> I did, he, did he dub like, yeah, the? We're in- gonna find some witches. Did he did he dub the innkeeper? I don't know if he that, that would have been innkeeper. That would have been. It'd be funny. He dubbed him with with <laughs> Robert Russell's the same voice. voice. Yeah, and they're still talking to each other. Like, hey, friend. Hey, friend. <laughs> Vincent Price doesn't have an accent in this movie. What? It's, yeah, well, yeah. He, yeah, he, yeah, he just but operates you know on his... The movie his... works so well, you don't even... Like, you guys just pause to think yeah. about that. And we're like, it you just didn't sounded care. like Vincent Price, yeah. Yeah, but you didn't give a shit. What, yeah. It works. Well, because well, Vincent Price has that, like, that transatlantic accent, yeah, so, like, he kind of, like, can kind of get under the limbo bar yeah, exactly. a little bit. Yeah. But it, it is like, weird. He kind of, like, would pass as just, what, like, a rich American or a... Somebody pointed person. that out to me, and I stopped her as I was like, oh, wow. And, like, it didn't... It did not even phase me while watching... Fetch that yellow pair here. <laughs> Do you know who, uh, who was a, a big fan of this movie? Sam Peckinpah. No. Oh well, yeah, I can, I can. Not see. only that, he hired the cinematographer, um, Straw Dogs, Pat Garrett, mm-hmm. and Billy the Kid, and another movie that has like a fucking bleak, brutal, desolate, hellish landscape. Cross of Iron. Oh, which, okay. If you look at like when I heard that, like, oh wow, yeah, Cross of Iron, Witchfinder, like, they they take place in the same fucking world. Uh, speaking of of directors, do you know about the connection with Don Siegel? No. Michael Reeves came to like when he was first like trying to get his foot into movie making. He loved Don Siegel. Yeah. So he actually somehow figured out where Don Siegel lived. Okay. In, okay. In California. And went and went to his house, and just went and just knocked on the door. And Don Siegel actually answered the door, and was you know was like, "Who the hell are you?" Yeah, <laughs> basically. And he and he just like I forget who was telling the story, but they said he just said, uh, "Sir, I'm Michael Reeves. I you know I'm from England. I'm you know a a filmmaker, and uh, I've come to learn from you because you, sir, are the finest filmmaker in the world." Whoa, and and Don That's humbling, right? And Don Siegel was like so like, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, about it that he just like like he kind of like took him into the house and like they talked and whatnot. And I guess like in the conversation and the fact that he like had the balls to do that, Don Siegel actually like got him set up with doing some some you know small time like behind the scenes stuff on a few things and that was what led to you know him eventually getting um his first directorial well what's funny is when i heard about sam peckinbaugh being a fan uh, what i read was that don siegel was actually the one that turned him on to the movie well there you go yeah so that because he was probably like yeah look 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 what my look what my boy did But yeah, I thought that was really strange because I can actually like look thinking about some of Don Siegel's movies. Like I can see where Michael Reeves sees some of those and thinks to himself, 
that's yeah. the guy. Yeah. That's that's who, you know. The oldest Don Siegel movie I've seen was Riot and Cell Block 9. Mm-hmm. And that has like a brutish, you know, hopeless anti-authority feel to it in, in itself. Um, Michael Reeves was actually going to direct the Oblong Box. Oh, really? Yes. That yeah. would have made it much better. He 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 was he was on on the on the docket for the oblong box, which is funny because Vincent Price is in it. So like I I think that they actually did bury the hatchet later because Vincent Price said that he he actually wrote him a ten page letter after he saw the movie, saying like that he thought it was a really fine piece of filmmaking. Um, and, you know, and then go, kind of going through and it's like saying like, you know, like all, like if you had just worked with me, like I would have, you know, yeah, yeah. like, like I we could have delivered. Yeah. We could have gone about this a different way and whatnot, but like basically just wanted to tell him that, you know, like he didn't even just think that it was a good movie, but he recognized, like he thought like, like, wow, like this is a real, you know, like this is a talented person that, that put this movie together and he got, a response uh, Michael Reeves wrote back to him just I knew you would see it my way uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you guys could explain something to me about the the movie that I kind of didn't really follow okay, okay. so uh, Vincent Price uh, is he, you know he he is has a relationship with the protagonist girlfriend Sarah yeah and uh the relationship is I won't uh, kill your uncle and call him a witch if if you know yeah. she sleeps with him, and then uh, she ends up getting raped by Stern. Yeah, and Vincent Price finds out, and it was just like, was he just she's no good to him anymore? Yeah, that's yep. what got, basically those goods got spoiled. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what. And that instead was. of being mad at Stern or anything, he's just like, well. Yeah. Uncle's a witch. Yeah, yeah. Why? Why would he be mad at his partner? He needs him. He yeah. doesn't need the girl. You know, that's he true. probably does that every town he rolls into. Yeah. No, that's that's yeah, and uh, that know, just shows him what kind of monster. Oh he is. yeah. Well, you know what the scariest part about him is that when I when I I I originally just thought that Matthew Hopkins was going to be a guy who didn't believe in any of this. He was just like a, a brute that found a way to take advantage. Yeah, of it's just, just a getting job. rich and do, yeah. but. What's scarier about him is he is that, but he also is a true believer yeah. as well. Like he's, he's like a the, lunatic, yeah, like religious. He's like the zealot. worst concoction of both of those things. Yeah, yeah he kind of is like justifying his horrible doings, yeah, because a, and, a, a, and it's a word of God, it's and the also will of God. getting that type of stuff on the side and good yeah. money and celebrity it's, status. It's and like everything. I'm doing God's work. That's why yeah. I get all this money. But uh, I, I was. On the thing I read about him, he did something called watching. Um, at first, it doesn't sound terrible. All who, right, say who is this? Matthew Hopkins. Okay. All right, say say you he accused you of being a witch, right? And then you got locked up in the dungeon. Somebody comes around, and be like, "What's going on with Andrew?" Uh, Matthew Hopkins would be like, we're doing watching on him. That's his punishment to find out if he's a witch or not. And that sounds innocent enough, right? Mm -hmm. What watching is, is you are sitting down, you're exhausted after everything we put you through, and you're about to fall asleep. And that's when we sit you up 
You, we stand you up and we walk you around your cell like 12 times and then sit you back down. And right when you're about to fall asleep again, that's when we walk up, wait, you know, stand you up and do it all over again. So you can never sleep. You can never rest. They call that watching. I, I first saw that there's a, a, a Casa Gravas film called, sounds the, awful. called The Confession where a guy suspected of uh, communism is uh, that's that happens to him. It's uh have you ever seen any Costa Gravis's movies? Z, State of Siege, all those? They're really good. He started like that 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 docudrama style that William Friedkin picked up for the French connection. I I, I saw some of okay. Z. That's that, the only bit I've seen. Yeah, that, that's where I first saw that, but uh it's it's hideous. Yeah. Like that's fucking terrifying. But it sounds also like oh yeah, we're just performing watching on yeah. him. It sounds like safe and it's just innocent. Yeah, yeah. but it's really not. Um, also, the downfall of the real life Matthew Hopkins uh, involved his accusing and um, execution of a priest, just like in in the movie. Really? But rather than it like setting up his downfall in the way where some guy goes after him and you know blood drenched vengeance it was more like political or uh, or social opinion kind of soured you know that was like the thing where people were like yeah maybe like, this no is a way yeah, yeah like people were kind of like that guy the thing that he confessed to doing which involved getting imps to, to sink a ship well nobody could figure out what ship it was because nobody knew what what they couldn't re- find the sunken ship yeah you know and all types of stuff where people are like, oh, wait, never mind. We don't think, you know, we're starting to get like wise to this thing. Yeah. Even in the movie, when they accused the priest, uh, they were saying, what, 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 what has he done to, to make you think that he's a yeah. witch? They said something about he lit candles at night or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much anything. Anything uh, to make them guilty. Do you guys have like a favorite scene in this movie? Yeah, yeah. The beginning and the ending are both. Also, when they burn that That's one, witch. mine. Yeah, that one's. Well, I don't even fucking brutal. It's not too. even like a burning at the stake. It's like this giant, like gallo crucifix yeah, type thing. Yeah, yeah. Which they build up because they mention the he's got a new yeah thing. Yeah, that he doesn't he's have stern do. anymore, so he's gonna try something out, and it's just like this giant stake and they just lower her slowly into the yep. fire and her her husband who's like screaming for her in the crowd oh yeah that, that that's paul ferris he's the guy who did the score to the oh, movie really? yeah oh that's cool the his, his wonderful score that was unavailable for years and years and years because you couldn't get anything but the AIP version, which was replaced with you know the Lex, the Lex, the Les Baxter scores. Did they do that for like every movie? Pretty much, yeah. I guess they had him on. Contract I mean, nothing and needed. A, yes, well, that yeah. I mean, I mean, nothing you know against Les Baxter, but Paul Ferris's score is like really beautiful, like and like it's got really great. Um like variations and stuff in it like it goes from you know like like he he nails like the romance stuff between you know Marshall and Sarah and and then he also like knows how to like 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 heighten the tension with you know the more abrasive stuff that goes on um on topic good but off topic mm-hmm 
what is your favorite Vincent Price film? Is this it? The way you talk about it fucking sounds like it. I can tell you that. It probably is my favorite Vincent Price film. Though, I mean, as far as like... Like, if you took this out of the equation and just went with the stuff that people well, this is normally odd man think of... Too, you know. <coughs> right. This I is would, no abominable Dr. Fibes. I would say... Probably House on Haunted Hill. Whoa. Which is a favorite. It's 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 probably Mask of the Red Death for me. Probably. I can't film I love Abominable Dr. Fibes too. Like that's that's his funniest one. We might be mentioning him in a little bit. Oh yeah, we are. <laughs> um but Mask of the Red Death has like a fucking magic to it. That just like bleeds Halloween. Yeah, the, uh, Mask of the Red Death and uh, Pit and the Pendulum oh, both yeah. have that. I mean, all the Poe movies yeah. are, are are good that way, but those two, I think, those are in the particular. cream of the crop. Like I like House of Usher, but um, there's something about Mask that that just works for me absolutely. But um, but yeah, I like the William Castle one, the the Tingler. Has this like camp quality that is you can't really replicate. It's the same thing with House on Haunted Hill. There's something about William Castle that is one of a kind. Like they, there's a cheapness to them that does not hinder at all. Like they are like cheap thrift store Halloween decorations. The movie, right? And it's actually like it's right, and that and much it better works for that it. way. Yeah. Um, I guess coming back to Witchfinder General before we move on, um, do we want to talk about the retitling for? Oh, the, the Conqueror Re- Worm. I guess that it was so, to cash in on the Poe Corman. That's exactly. Yeah, what that makes that sense. Um. And then in the AIP cut, they actually work the poem into the the film. To be to be fair, I can see it working. The, that's a very dreary uh, p- poem about like how futile life is. Yeah, you know what I mean. It does fit. It's not completely out of place. Right. What the conqueror worm? Yes. I'm looking at the poster and I think it's so cool. It's like this like weird green. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. I, I forgot the, 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 the poster, poster is, is one of like the one of the all time greats. Yeah, it is good. Um if nobody else has anything else to add, uh well, I mean, if you do stop me now. If not, before we move on, I just wanna read off a little list of things that were cut from the film. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Yeah, go Let's ahead. go. Let's go. I'm curious about this. Okay. So the death spasms of the hanging victim in the beginning yes. were cut. Uh Oh, you know, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think I guess I did see the uncut, and you're telling me what was excised before. I'm one. I was thinking, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hear shit that was like never filmed. That no, no, this is stuff okay. that that was actually cut out but of then the film. Back for obvious no. Right. Oh, oh, it's gone for good. Yeah, none of this was ever put back in. 
Whoa, so I didn't watch like the uncut version. That's how it came out in the 60s. Well, there is the, the AIP cut is is slightly different to, uh, yeah, I'd imagine to the UK down. cut, but as far as this stuff goes, this stuff is never Okay, been, okay. Been let, put let's back let's in. get it. Uh, so the death spasms of the hanging victim. Uh, Sarah's father, the 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 priest being stabbed 15 times with a steel spike. Ooh. A a sniper's victim somersaulting through the air and slamming into a tree. A sequence depicting the Battle of Naseby was supposed to be filmed and during which a soldier's head was going to be cut off. That was actually not filmed. Hmm. Um, I just figured those stuff were, that stuff was just talked about budget, you know, just budget stuff. Like, oh, we're in a war, but that you didn't see. Yeah. It no, n- no, it had nothing to do with the budget. It had to do with the BBFC saying, get this shit out of this fucking movie if you want oh, it to yeah. go anywhere. A war scene would have been pretty cool to see in this movie. You, you know what? What? Uh, hang on one second. You know what's a what's a, a thing people do with the censors? They give like. If you're making a movie or something and you got stuff in there that you know is going to get cut, you add more fucked up stuff. So they cut that? They cut that instead so you can bargain to keep that stuff that you originally <laughs> wanted in. You know what I mean? Like, look, look, we got rid of this, you know, rusty nail into the vagina. <laughs> Obviously, that's horrible. We cut that out, but let us keep our head explosions. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because if you didn't have that and you just had the head explosions, you'll be trying to cut that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was, and like if you find this way to like bargain with them, that's like that's like the old exploitation movie trick of like trying to just keep the movie as as original as possible as like the way you intend it as possible. I wonder if there's any movies who did that and then it didn't get cut and they're like, "Well, let's throw it in." There, oh, man. no, yeah, that's <laughs> happened. I uh, I, f- I forget what I know the the most infamous one is John Carpenter for Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, the, the little girl gets shot. <laughs> they they're like, "All right, you got to cut that or you get an X rating." He's like, "Okay," and like he he cut it and they got the R rating and then he put it back in. <laughs> this is when the movie hits theaters. Um, this was I believe not filmed, but the original ending. Stern falls in with a group of gypsies and attempts to rape one of their women, who successfully fights him off, and gouges. Uh, his eyes the gypsies then stake him to death nice Marshall arrives and convinces the gypsies to assist him in ambushing Hopkins Hopkins is then viciously beaten by Marshall so that kind of stays in there yeah who forces a quote unquote confession out of the bloodied man which it would actually be really poetic if that was yeah that would have been yeah. Stern did get his eye gouged out though so that does kind of fit in there yeah they they figured out ways to kind of get it in there should we note Uh, that the real matthew hopkins uh died comfortably at home yes (laughs) sad at the at at a ripe old age too i think he was like 80 something wow Uh, um yeah and then hopkins gets uh drowned and hung uh the, the 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 bbfc were like there's no fucking way that you're getting any of this shit in the movie and they uh they criticized him for being like exploitative like with the violence and he was like you're not understanding what i'm saying that's that's common the movie needs to be violent because i'm trying to make the audience see it soberly 
just straight up violence so that they leave thinking, wow, we're kind of fucked up. Maybe we should like, you know, work on this. And apparently it worked to a degree. Like there was some stuff that they eventually like with that in mind, like they, they let him have some stuff, but he, like when he saw the, the, the finished film initially, he said he he was very upset because he felt that they had like completely castrated the movie. Oh, but then uh, he had I think he had someone was related to him that was on the BBFC and like not long before he died, he actually they said he wrote them a letter and um, to that to the person I think he was like a cousin or something. And he told him, he said, you know, like looking back on it now and seeing like how like the success that it had in the U.S. because the U.K. hated it, but it actually was like a like a decent success in in the United States. He said, um, you know, I guess it didn't hurt it as bad as I as I had thought, but he still was kind of like like brooding over it. Yeah. Oh, also, in addition to him. had having been signed on to to direct the oblong box he was also uh working on the original script for the dunwich horror whoa now that's a fucking loss yeah that's a legit fucking loss that would have been terrific it had a different title but it was like but it was like, the adaptation it, of yeah Dumbledore. like he, he he was looking to especially compared to the one that came out and 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 Karloff was gonna be in it he was gonna have he was gonna get get Boris back from the sorcerers to do whoa I don't know what role he was gonna play but the what the, could have been the yes. uh what's the grandfather's name Albert Wait, what in Dunwich? Wait, it's Wilbur Waitley, right? Or that's the son. Yeah, that's the it's the goatish yeah. son. But there's a grandfather. Yeah. Um, it's been so fucking long. That's a great one too. I need to reread that. I haven't read that since like high school. I remember like when they finally see the monster, like it's it, it's like it, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but it's like constantly like in metamorphosis because the elements it needs to like exist in this universe doesn't ex- don't exist so it's just like continually like swarming and changing and right. being fucking weird <laughs> fucking lovecraft what a weird fucking fish dude god <laughs> I'm trying to look up the the name, the of, name of, the, of, the, of the grandfather because it's bothering me that I can't remember. I'm googling Dunwich Horror Grandpa. I'm kind of dreading to to see what comes up on images. According to this, they just referred to him as as Old Waitley, but I could have sworn yeah, no, he had that a name. Sounds- yeah. Yep, old Waitley. That's all that comes up. Probably just thinking of a different Lovecraft character. Like I could have sworn he had like some like a like an Amish sounding first name. 
reread the music of Eric Zahn recently. That's a good one. That is a good one. Um, yep. So I think we have. I think we tackled Witchfinder General pretty thoroughly. Yes. It's worth it though. It's fucking. So, a salute to you, Michael Reeves, and what could if been? O- if only you had lived longer. What did uh what what drug was he using that he OD'd on? It was some kind of like uh like barbiturate stuff. Like he was having like I think like depression issues and stuff and I think it was like he started taking some other drug along with it and it was one of those like unwitting bad cocktail yeah. things. Hmm. It's a damn shame. <clears throat> And it was funny, funny, like Ian Ogilvy was saying, he's like, you know, what was strange about about Michael and his aspirations was that like he didn't want to be like an art house director and he didn't want to be like a mainstream filmmaker necessarily. He just wanted to be like a middle of the road yeah. director. And I think Witchfinder General is actually like a good, you know. Well, that's where you can kind of find like when you when you have a director that's just kind of like like half journeyman but half visionary you, that's where you kind of get like weird stuff you know hmm. like they'll take the jobs they can get but they do have like their own style their own kind of uh, themes that they they like to, to to use you know it's like Sam Peckinpah where like you know there's a bunch of movies that he just got hired on you know for a job but you can still see why they're Peckinpah movies right all right should we just uh let's move on move on to the count 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 yorga count yorga vampire Joe why don't you uh get us uh warmed up on count yorga Count Yorga, under the guise of being a Bulgarian mystic, invades Southern California and begins to exert his influence in vampiric disease, amassing his harem of undead brides. Can he be stopped? That sounds like that should have been the trailer. Uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoy this movie. It's not Witchfinder General. Let's start that off the bat. But it all. is. Uh, I, I really like this movie because it's like, Dracula goes to the drive-in. Yes. Uh, it is like a very Hammer-esque concept. The, the, all the vampire but tropes. It, but, are, it, but it's got like American blood well, running through that, it. That, that's, that's the thing. It's like, it's got uh, like, blood. if 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 one of your <laughs> like low budget, lo-fi, early 70s drive-in trash horror movies, like I Drink Your Blood, something like that made a vampire movie but still like utilizing all like the hammer tropes this is it i i hadn't watched count yorga in a long time and i remember always like not like you know disliking it but i never felt the compulsion to really ever watch it again yeah it's like it's like a minor fun thing it's but but watching it now, like my my opinion hasn't really changed much. But like I feel like there's some, there, something special about it. Yeah, there's something in it that like makes that like like now you know being 
you know, old now I like, I kind of look at it a little differently. I think uh, for me, it's because as opposed to being a kid now as a grown up, I like that the seventies aesthetics, I'm much more like there. I'm, I'm more into them than when I was a kid where I was just like looking for horror movies. Yeah. You know, like I like that drive-in look. That's my favorite. And this has, it It looks like, like, it. yeah, Yeah. this is exactly what that this is. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about this movie. It's the first modern day vampire movie. I mean, this is before the, uh, hammer put Christopher Lee in like modern day London, um, I think there's one before this. It could be in the fifties. I want to say that there's one that tried this. Well, I guess Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Dracula is in the is in the is in modern day for the forties. Then, if you count that, well, here keep keep talking. I'm I'm gonna see if I can find it. The uh, is interesting how everything hammer like you were saying was only like really when they crossed that gate into count yorga's like realm you know like it was it is truly like a 70s oh movie. yeah yeah the, the, but that blend yeah. works well and it's interesting because it's just like young adults hanging out being ex- a little seedy exactly and then they just go to you know gothic world and, and, and to know? the point where count yorga dresses like fucking bella lugosi you know what i mean yeah. like <laughs> if you really wanted to make it a bit more more modern you would have him dressed as like a more modern christopher lee yeah you know like where he still has the cape and stuff but he looks a little bit more in touch with the times he's wearing that like cheesy ass red cape and yeah pendant and everything and all the all the other actors are it's like it's almost like is scooby-doo meets like dracula you know <laughs> yeah but i know it's not as silly as that at all because things get bloody and something that's enjoyable about it is that like even though like the plot isn't strong or anything it is straight to the point right you know there's not really like the extra bits of padding and there's there's one thing it really does have its foot in in the old drive-in cinema because there are these jolts in the movie that are effective that 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 clearly look there's a scene where like the girl who has been bitten by the vampire before unbeknownst to the other characters is acting weird she's kind of anemic and stuff and uh they go to check on her and they open the door to her apartment and she's chewing on her fucking kitten oh that scene really disturbed. Yeah, it's it works well. Yeah, yeah it, it's well. Also, the fact that that didn't look like a fake dead cat. Oh either. no, that was a kitten. That was a real kitten. But it, it just, was like not moving. Yeah, I I noticed that too. I I would imagine it was either asleep, like they they knocked it out. That's what they usually do with cats in okay. movies. Which is or still they awful. had a dead kitten, which is worse. I like, don't think they really filmed the dead kitten. Yeah. I really think it was like a, a sleeping. I, which yeah, it was like yeah, it was uh, it was effective whatever they did. So. But but going before like this movie starts, um, you watch his coffin being transported like it's taken off a ship, it's putting on the back of a truck, and it's driven probably to wherever his residence is going to be. And like right there, you kind of get a, like a, a feel for what type of movie it is like these like Dracula even though it's Count York it's not Dracula like but still Dracula has like a it's it's almost his own genre like there's so many adaptations mm-hmm. this just seems like this is the 70s drive-in version of yeah. that and uh and right away you know it's just like 
shaky handheld cinema verite of this coffin being transported through like real life like it's uh, what is it, la it, it's yeah. california and right there you kind of, of like angels. see it like being transported like this gothic horror is now in this world now yeah well yeah it kind of only exists in that one area but yeah the that whole world's colliding thing is pretty cool what do you think of the uh the uh, uh like the Renfield character in this movie. You know, uh, he was probably the weakest link for me. He, he it's hard to D- that character is done so well in so many other movies that yeah. he's just kind of dull <laughs> in this yeah. one. You know, he just doesn't. Yeah, if yeah, if you're gonna include the yeah you know, the Renfield trope, you need yeah. to like really, you know. He's give just it, like give it something for it to yeah, matter. Yeah, he's just like that the muscle that he needs for, you know, those action scenes. Uh very low low budget for this. Yeah, almost Wh- amateurish. Yeah, oh, w- yeah which which considering like how it turned out is is pretty remarkable. This is this was originally going to be a softcore porno film. <laughs> it seems that yeah, way. It I was. mean, they even had a pretty like the the loves of Count Yorgo. Yeah, and and oh. the and the the Blu-ray that I have um it has that it was uh the the love uh yeah, that was it but Count Yorga was I O R G A. Yes, it was spelled. And one of the people, they finally convinced them to 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 make it a straight horror film. And the guy doing the um, opening narration is George McCready, the man who plays the French general or colonel, I forget which, in Paths of Glory Mm -hmm. that sets the motion, all the everything in that movie in motion. I actually really like that uh, beginning intro, and I think it would be like a cool sample to use. Yeah, yeah, it has some like little some little little bits. Strung some interesting words together. The version I watched had the I O. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it wasn't Count Yorga Vampire though. It was was something else. Yeah, it was Love Slaves, or or was it just Loves? It was the Loves of Count Yorga. Okay, yeah, I think that's the version I watched. Yeah, they 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 said that some of the prints still have the original title. Yeah. Um, also, you know what? What I really fucking like about this movie, the the violence and the stalking is is more American than like Hammer. Like it's, it has like a jump scare quality to it. Yeah. But one thing I really like are the vampire brides aren't like mm-hmm. that like angelic goth beauty yeah, they're kind of just like they're, servants yeah, yeah they're sort of feral they're, yeah and they're twisted and grotesque yeah. like there's a oh, children yeah. shouldn't play with dead things vibe to them oh, where they it looked like they were like tearing apart the one guy yeah but know? i mean like the, them themselves just oh, look just looking, like yeah. more gross like they're not that yeah they're you know pale when you, yeah when you watch lifeless. like hammer or the universal ones they're very pretty and like they just have this yeah like, this like, like macabre like and they're almost tempting yeah yeah them. yeah these ones are just like they're they're closer to the George Romero. Yeah. No, they did look like zombies almost. It actually brings to mind, which we won't dwell on too much, but uh, when they made uh, Blackula later, I feel like someone was taking notes because there's a lot of uh, 
like it seems like blackula gets a lot of its stroke from count Yorga. Yeah, that's believable because apparently this was this was a hit in the drive-ins i mean enough to make a sequel a year later yeah but uh the guy who made this and the sequel uh directed the second blackula movie interesting scream blackula scream um but yeah, it like the movie it's not great, but it's serviceable and if you have like a thing for these type these early 70s rugged lo-fi I know I use the same way to it's describe way to these describe type, but like they work like that's how these movies really are that crude um this movie just scratches a certain itch and although it's not perfect it it does work but uh has that great uh 70s blood too yeah you know, like yeah really crayon red <clears throat> stuff but the one thing and i don't want to jump ahead so stop me if i am this movie is like a band's first album where they you can see where they're going but they didn't quite master their sound yet part two the return of count yorga is the one where like, all right, we found our sound, we mastered it, we know what we're doing. Like, are you with me on that, Joe? Yes, which yeah. which was actually like, so I watched Count Yorga, and as I said, I I had remembered, you know, kind of being like mildly, you know, amused with it, but n- never really feeling like I needed to watch it again. So I watched Count Yorga, and I'm like, oh, wow, this, like, you know, it's got something that you know i didn't realize you know that i liked or that i've developed a a more of an appreciation for yeah that's what i should have said return of of count yorga i actually had never seen probably because i you know wasn't all that taken with the first one yeah and so watching return of count yorga uh that was a nice little treat so I was like, wow, like I thought it would just be like the redundant, you know, version of it and right. just do everything, but not quite as well. But it's actually better. Yeah, it, it was like that was that was practice. And then this one, you know, this was the real deal. And it's same same director. Um, so I guess he, he got a little bit better uh, or or he learned so much that first one that he could make this one. Um, and it has the same actor. The guy who plays the doctor plays the. I guess he's a doctor again in this one. I could be in the, in the second one. He's another like person of. Yeah, same actor, different character. But it's yeah, it's more interesting. The the ideas, the 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 script, everything about it is more colorful. Um, mm. The horror elements are better utilized, and even though there are a lot of them are cliches, hands reaching out of graves, like haunting winds you know like storms and all that cemeteries all that that's what this movie is should be yeah Yeah. exactly exactly it's just uh there's a scene much like count in 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 the first one count yorga there's a one where people are stranded in a in a van and uh you hear weird noises guy goes out and investigates and and the vampire jumps him that scene is done again in the second one, but with a yacht. 
And for some reason, it works so well that it actually made me jump, which I'm kind of immune to jump scares. You know, I've seen so many of fucking things. Is it similar to where he's like looking out the window and he sees something in the distance, but he's not sure? It's it's like that, but like there's like a a, a legit like fucking jump in it that that works. And Hmm. there's... uh, so so like i i i, I kind of wish we just did return the count york because this one like there's so much more for me to talk about how much i like about it <laughs> we're calling an audible and going with return of count well i know no, but i mean might as well while we're here i right. i mean i did a whole page anyway um there's a vampire invasion home invasion scene where like this family that's like held up in a storm gets just like wrecked by like the the vampire brides from the first i guess he has a new harem of undead women Mm. and it is it's just like the ending of witchfinder general where like the screams of the of the women being like assaulted are like feel real like they're unnerving like they actually work like the when you see their faces like whoever hired whoever did casting did a fantastic job because they hired women that no matter how cheesy these vampires look they they put legitimate frightened fucking faces on like that you it even more so than the vampire women who look you know kind of cheesy and all that the the legitimate authentic look of fear on the actress's faces sells the scene and uh and it's well shot, you know, the, the Dutch angles and handheld to give it like that, like violent, energetic slaughter feeling. You know, can, let me just stop you for a second. I don't know if we've ever done this before, but you can, you know, obviously if we already did, you can stop me. But uh, you've actually mentioned dutch angles a lot of times in oh, us really? in, in, in us doing this this podcast i know what dutch angles are but for somebody who maybe doesn't know like that, oh, that's listening okay. all like a dutch one angle. of How you expl- it's hard to explain because it's sort of like it's an off-center shot. yeah it's like it's like the world's off its axis yeah. for a second you know what i mean um Andrew, you describe it while I look up something completely unrelated on my phone and read it out loud. It's kind of when <laughs> the angle turns into almost like a 45-degree uh, tilt, and uh, yeah, everything just looks kind of skewed. Is that like a decent way of describing it? Yeah. Uh, no, my way is better. Okay. It is also, uh, I would describe it as the Dutch angle, oh. also known as, known as Dutch yeah. tilt. Canted angle or <laughs> oblique angle is a type of camera shot where the camera is set at an angle on its roll axis so that the shot is composed with vertical lines at an angle to the side of the frame or so that the horizontal that the horizontal horizontal line oh, of well I mean I can't believe I'm stumbling on that word yeah. I'm thinking line of the shot is now parallel with the bottom of the and I got to click to get the rest but you get the fucking clue yeah I mean you can look it up and get an idea yeah you get, did you ever see the movie Battle didn't just totally do that you but know? if you ever see the movie Battlefield Earth that whole entire fucking movie is <laughs> Dutch one angles. big it's just Dutch, Dutch angle, angle. <laughs> if if you want to see you know something genre related that does a fantastic job with dutch angles evil dead one yes and two. i really like in the beginning of return of count yorga when all right uh, 
Can you describe Count Yorga? I know you didn't write it down, but can you give us the plot of Return of Count Yorga? You'll do a better job than me. Just so I can talk about it for a few more minutes. Uh, basically, Count Yorga and his... It ignores uh, the first one. It's like its own movie. It, it, is that what it does? Because Absolutely. like I, I kind of like like they're sort of like like him and the assistant are kind of like brought back. Yeah, but they never describe how. Or yeah, they why. don't. And 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 the lead but they, actor, there's the mention the of, of the Santa Ana winds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they take up residence in a mansion that's over by an orphanage, which somehow the orphanage aspect kind of adds something oh, to no, it. it. It makes yeah, it works. Um. And then it's basically just from it's just a essentially a reimagining of the first one, just done with like a little more confidence and a little yeah. more muscle. Yeah, like like they knew how to make a horror film now. And there's there's lots of details. I mean, the first one's just like straightforward vampire movie. This one has like a lot of like uh, minor characters that are in orbit of the movie that that kind of add to it. There's a kid from the orphanage that gets bitten in the very beginning and you watch him go. He's not like your typical, like the Renfield character where he just does like, you know, the, the vampires bidding. You actually watch his slow descent into vampiric, like to be in like a vampire sociopath, serial killer kid. Right. And, and there's like these scenes where you just watch him just like, he almost clobbers one of the, his friends to death with a rock and then eventually he stabs his nanny to death. Like it's, it's, it's cool to watch. And they, and kids in movies, especially these type of movies are usually fucking annoying. The kid plays it rather well. So it would be kind of funny if he turned into a typical Renfield character. I would actually like, I didn't think about it until you just said it, but I think it would actually be pretty amusing to see a child being Renfield. <laughs> that, that's a lot like uh let the right one in. Where yeah. they're setting up him to be, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. He's yeah. like the new Renfield, yeah. essentially. But, yeah, like but a reluctant Renfield, right? But well, no, this kid is not reluctant he, at all. He, yeah, he's loving it. He's, oh, the last in the 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 right one. No, no, no. In, in uh, Return of Count Yorga, this kid's like he gets off on he, all he, about he, that. He, yeah. he embraces it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, the what's great is when you are introduced to Count Yorga. It's a Halloween party, and not only is there like another character dressed as, as Dracula, which is kind of funny. Um, um, I forgot about that. <laughs> but not only that, there, first of all, there's a good. There's a few good laughs in this movie that don't like take away from the atmosphere of the movie. But no, like, because they're actually like you know clever earned the, laughs. Like the, they're not all like right, so. So no, count, we're not schlocking it up with one of the orphan kids are playing like the piano, and he looks up at Count Yorga who's walking by. He's like, "You like this type of music?" And Count Yorga just like totally tries like when played well oh. <laughs> like, but there's another one where he's like chilling out in his mansion and he's watching he's watching an ingrid pit vampire movie i couldn't make out which one it was it was the vampire was lovers. it the vampire levels yeah. and like his renfield character comes to tell him something he just like holds his hand up he's like i'm watching this you know <laughs> um but what's really neat i really like is the main character who's like the skeptic um He's dressed up as Sherlock Holmes, and it's really neat to see like Sherlock Holmes, the the you know the complete rational detective that you know has no time for supernatural mumbo jumbo. Right, is just like squared off with this you know t- 
typical Dracula knockoff. Mm-hmm. But there's something in both these movies that drives me nuts, and they're in vampire movies in general, but they're in they're in a lot of horror movies. The character when the character knows that something's fucking wrong, and he needs the authorities, and rather doing the smart thing of keeping his mouth shut and just telling the telling the cops that like, oh hey, there's something up with that guy, and I think he's involved with these murders. They're fucking retarded they and say like, out. oh hey, they're he's a vampire. Yeah. Like if I really suspic- like suspected that like my neighbor was a vampire and he was like murdering children, mm-hmm. I wouldn't tell the cops like I think he's a vampire. By the yeah. way, you know that would just make me look like a crazy. Even if I legitimately believed that, I'd be smart enough to be like, I, uh, that guy's shady. Yeah. You know, I think there's something. Yeah, he's up kidnapping. With him. Yeah, he's doing like I, I think realistic. something weird. I saw that. Is, what is, I- is this your weird way of actually like trying to put it out there that you think your neighbor is murdering children? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I didn't do anything because he's not a vampire. I'm gonna worry about that, you know. What's but, funny is when he calls. But in both movies, the uh, character goes happens. to the cops and he's yeah. like, "He's a vampire." And like, Does the, and, and in the second movie, the do the cops say, "Oh, you're the 49th person"? No, no, no. The, the it's actually it's a <laughs> it's actually a good gag where like he's like, "I have to tell you, but I have to whisper it to you because it's so insane." And he whispers it in the cop's ear, and the cop just like stares at him for like a beat. And he's like, well, I don't think I heard you. Can you do that again? And he like leans and has to tell him again. And the guy's like, okay, never mind. <laughs> this is Craig T. Nelson's first movie. He plays another cop. Oh, really? Craig T. Nelson from Poltergeist and Coach. He's in the second one, too? Yeah, he's in Return. No, he's only in... When did, where did you see him in the first one? Oh, I thought he was one yeah, of Yeah, I think he's in the first one as well. Craig T. Nelson? Yeah, I think he's one of the... The boyfriends? Yeah, the no Is he guys. really? Yeah, I, I think so. so. But I read that this the Return was his... I could Film be debut. mistaken. I I saw a similar nose in the first one. I could be wrong, but I I I knew this movie as as his oh. debut. It, B- Blood of Dracula from nineteen fifty seven. By the way, was the uh, like was the first modern day okay. vampire movie, which was also an AIP joint because apparently they just fucking did everything horror. <laughs> yeah for a time there are so many good scenes i can't recommend return account yorga if you're a fan of like just cheesy 70s driving horror there's a scene where the 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 uh lead actress is uh she's trapped in count yorga's house and she's just in one like room that's just filled with like shitty old furniture and clutter and stuff but you hear all the vampire like harem just like laughing at her from like the like from within the walls and it it's actually ugh. it's also also should be mentioned that in the in the second one count yorga actually has some like color to him not just the humor but the fact that he he's just not like trying to find people to 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 drink blood he falls in love with the lead girl and uh was trying to convince her to stay with him even though that he's a vampire that like after all these years he's he needs some romance in his life it does say on imdb that return is his first credit but i'm a little confused by that because i remember seeing him and i know that i didn't see return of count yorga to go back to the first one, the, the, 
that seance scene in the beginning is great. I love those yes, they, seance scenes in these movies. And it, it's a nice, uh, like, not only just for it being a seance scene, but it's, it's a nice little intro to, yeah. to the character. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene? In the first one, it's the kitten. That's just so fucked up and, and weird. <laughs> uh, it's probably, you know, chalk, but the... The 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 denouement of of uh, of the movie, like where like they start running around the house and around uh, every corner is it, a vampire lady, and 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 like that like that house, by the way, is a great it's, location. It, it's perfect for the movie too, where it's like it's not total gothic horror. You know, it has a modern look, but it is at the same time. Yeah. And the and the and the room, I guess it's like the basement or whatever, the lair where they all sleep. You know, all the vampire women sleep on the slabs of whatever, wherever the undead sleep. It it, it actually works. It's like uh, uh, Brotherhood of Satan, when you see like the the satanic areas, you know. <laughs> The satanic area. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to find the, find the word for it, but like, like the over there lair. with the yeah, gym, the, yeah, the lair, and, the the <laughs> and then there's the uh, satanic area. Yes, yeah. <laughs> for when you want to do satanic activities. Um. Yes. So, I, yeah, count the the kitten for for count. Although what you mentioned too, the second one's a lot harder because you have the opening with the kid running around the windy field and then stumbles in the creepy old graveyard with all the the vampire ladies when they come out of their graves they don't walk around like the how they do in the in the first one or in the rest of this one they have this like lucho fulci quality to them where they kind of just like lumber like husks um that was a favorite the scene where the kid almost bashes his friend's head in with the rock is cool even though it's just like really minor um the home invasion scene yeah is, i think that's, is, that's it probably for it for me yeah, I'm gonna have to go, but but there there's a lot like the, it's a lot more effective. It's a lot more well done. It's a lot more interesting. It's funnier. They're, it's just like like I said before. It's like the band found its sound for this one. Yeah, I it it, it was it was a neat experience. Like you know, rewatching this, you know, knowing okay, this is what we're covering on the podcast, and then you know we were like okay well let's let's also watch return of yeah. count yorga so we can just kind of you know throw a little bit of that in there and that ended up actually outshining yeah the first one that we're you know intending yeah. to cover that's like that's like 91% of the reason i like doing this podcast is because like the movies that I just like, I just like gloss over before. I'm like, I gotta watch this so I can like talk about it on a podcast thing. And I watch shit that I, I usually like, you know, there's other movies that I've been meaning to watch instead. So I skip over them and now I'm like, oh wow, I would have never watched Return of Count Yorga unless we were doing this. And now I'm fucking glad that I have. Yeah, it actually makes me. Yeah. Andrew, what the fuck are you looking up on your laptop? Nothing. I just don't. Oh have anything oh. to say so i'm just like oh, oh actually know. yeah i did take i take that back don't don't you 
Shut yeah, up, dude. Just fucking talk. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I sound like I was discouraging you from doing that. Um, All right, so the cinematographer for this for Return Account Yorga, not the not the first one, uh, went on to do Jaws. How's that? From 1971, Return of Count Yorga 75. to 75. Well, he's also the the conversation, and uh, he worked with William Friedkin on documentaries. Okay. Okay. Conversation so, is such an underrated. It is. Movie. It's good. It's like, good. like, because honestly, like, if you ask most people, like, if they've ever seen the conversation, like, they don't even know what yeah. you're talking about. And it, the, well, it's just squeezed in between the first two Godfathers, so that's right. Like but a then it also was, to be. Yeah, I understand, but it also was nominated for awards on its own. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Robert Quarry. Don't you have a good Robert Quarry story? Well, do we want to? throw that in now or do we want to talk about the 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 what, the, a, the what almost was all right hang on before we get to the what almost was okay robert quarry was being molded to be aip's <clears throat> key oh, should we just say robert quarry plays count yorga did we say that yet no, People are probably sitting there fucking we, wondering, I, like, who the I, fuck? I don't, I don't think we've we've said his name once. Oh, okay. Well, Robert Quarry plays. <laughs> We're so good at. This. I I mentioned who played the the opening narrator, but <laughs> <laughs> not the fucking lead title vampire. Well, I all right, I didn't I didn't notice this at all uh, when I picked the two movies, but Vincent Price and Robert Quarry uh, both worked for AIP. Uh, both these movies were AIP released. Um, and Robert Quarry was was being groomed to be Vincent Price's replacement as the AIP's like key horror guy, right? Um, and uh, to the chagrin of Vincent Price, um, he is in the second Doctor Fibes movie. He plays his his, uh, his antagonist in that, right. um. <coughs> And also, actually, you want to, this is, tell them about what Omist was before I, before I say this story. So funny. when they were initially getting the script together for Dr. Fibes Rises Again, Count Yorgo was going to be his adversary. Yeah. Which, the, not that, you know, Dr. Fibes Rises Again didn't turn out to be good anyway, but... That would have had a whole added dimension to it. Like the character, Count Yorga? Yeah. No, the uh, real vampire. No, I didn't know if it was just Robert Quarry or... Yeah, yeah. Like it, well, no, he is in the movie. Oh, yeah, I just didn't know he was going to be playing that character. So yeah, that he, cool. he was actually going to play Count Yorga in the movie, but for some Dick. reason they decided to not do that. There was going to be a third Count Yorga movie where he was hiding in the sewers of Los Angeles, turning the homeless population into yes. an army of vampires, <laughs> which would have been fucking cool, too. All right, I'm going to read this one because this is written better than how I can tell. There was a lot of hostility between Vincent Price and Robert Quarry, particularly when Price discovered that AIP was planning to replace him with Quarry as their major horror film star. At one point, when Price discovered Quarry singing opera, Quarry said, I bet you didn't know I could sing, did you? To which Price replied, well, I knew you weren't a fucking actor. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
<sighs> Vincent Price. Oh, I got to bring up one thing. All right. So, you know that yacht scene I brought up? Yeah. You know, he attacks the guy on the yacht. And then afterwards, there's a lingering shot of the water where you see Count Yorga's reflection amongst the, you know. Right. Isn't Count Yorga yes, a vampire? I, right. Yeah, I yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, you said that's in the return? It's in return. Of I swear return there's of a reflection also in the first one where I was like, oh, I guess they, that rule doesn't really apply. Is there? Yeah, I'm pretty Ooh, sure. Shit. I didn't catch up, but this one will probably because it, it literally lingers on it. For I guess they thought it was really pretty, and uh, I think oh, it's when he's getting out of the van going into his house. They show a shot where he's clearly seen in the side like mirror. The, yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Bad. Maybe that was just a mistake. Um. Yeah, that was it. That, that was that's all I got for. I, I I just I gotta highly recommend if like I said I said this before but yeah if you like this type of stuff Return of Count well, both of them are great I would recommend watching but but Return is like where they yeah they found their, their yeah do sound. It, if you're you know you, you're you're gonna you know plop yourself down in front of the TV one night and you're in the mood for for you know some seventies you know AIP slash Hammer type stuff like do a double feature there's a scene. Near the very end, it's like five minutes before the ending, where the hero is cornered, and you find out that the main girl is kind of falling for the vampire, and he has like the whole harem ready to like just tear him apart. And you just see the girl and Count Yorga just like coldly turn around and walk away right before you know these horrible things descend upon him. I kind of wish that movie just ended there. Yeah, it would have had like a good like tales from the crypts like doomed ending. Mm-hmm. But like they drag it on for like a few more minutes. Um. So, my Robert Quarry story. Yes. Yes. Or, or as I sh- should say, my 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 father-in-law's Robert Quarry story. Uh, we went to, uh, the uh, Chiller Theater Convention some years ago. Oh man, it's been a long fucking time, actually. What year was that? It was like 2004, I think. Um, I graduated high school that year. (laughs) Uh, And uh, Robert Quarry was there. And um, the, the first night that we were there, like, you know, we were walking around to the tables and everything. And, uh, Later on in in the night, my father in law sees Robert Quarry not at his table, but he was just out in in the lobby, just standing over by the bathroom. And so, my father in law, who always really liked Count Yorga, he goes over to him and you know he he says hi and he strikes up a conversation with him. And my grand my grandfather my my father in law says. Uh, um here can you sign this i think it was like a like a chiller like uh like promo flyer no that because that was all you know yeah. all, all, all he had and robert Gore was just, said i don't sign anything for free <laughs> and, my, and my father-in-law being very amused by this rather than annoyed he's more just kind of chuckling at it he says well how much do you want and he's and Robert Quarry said, "How much do you have?" 
So he he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out some change. He's like, I have about 50 cents. And Robert Corey says, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> he really needed that third count Yorga yeah. movie. <laughs> I wonder how low he would have gone. Like, he's like, I have a piece of gum. You're going to haggle like, yeah. him down. <laughs> yeah. The, um, I don't know. He looked like he was kind of like... Yeah, not in the there was not in the best of shape at the time. There was a um a movie he did right after Return of Count Yorga, another vampire movie called The Death Master. And if you if you see the posters for the the two Count Yorga movies, Death, Death Master, Master is, is written is on both of them. Yeah. Um, so I guess that was a way to to cash in on that. It was because I I don't think that it was actually ever meant to be related. Yeah, no, to it them. isn't. I watched it and uh, it's neat because it's sort of like if Count Yorga played a Charles Manson type. Like it's it, like the the main characters like hippies and bikers, and this like guru shows up who's Robert Quarry playing a vampire as usual. And it could have worked as a as a Count Yorga movie where it's like this is his new shtick to right. you. But uh, it just doesn't have the power of the two count Yorga. It just it's just a little bit lazier. It feels like it, it came before them, like it f- because mostly because of like the bikers and hippies and stuff. It feels like a '60s movie. Mm. You know, it, it's funny because uh, you know, like you were saying, like they were grooming Robert Quarry to to you know take over Vincent Price's spot. But after the Count Yorga movies, he kind of doesn't really go anywhere yeah. and, and and vincent price as it turned out still had a yeah. couple of good ones in the tank well he was in madhouse with vincent price was he in madhouse yeah, yeah. and um you know what uh, i just watched madhouse recently who was he in madhouse i can't remember but i i found that while reading up on this stuff i can't remember i remember seeing madhouse years and years and years ago and not liking it uh, what i might give it another this is i was like you know late teens i just couldn't there's something about it that just didn't ring. But I'm willing no, to, no, it's you, been years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's been like 14 years. Yeah, you you need to go back to Madhouse. All right, I'm so willing I mean, to. I'm willing to do that. Vincent Price and fucking Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. Yeah, that's why I was so pumped for it. Um, Robert Quarry is. I really enjoy him. He uh, he doesn't have the the presence of Vincent Price. Not what's he up. has something. But though. yeah, that's what. I, and I think the fact that he 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 plays Count Yorga straight. Even in like the humorous moments, he never like makes the character like a joke, and uh, yeah, he works. Like I think he's. I, in all honesty, if they just changed the outfit, if they just got rid of the Bella Lugosi like cape and made him right. more modern looking, he would have been a lot better. But that being said, I I I, I enjoyed him. I liked him. He he works. It kind of works in Blackula though, like because they sort of do the same thing. Like the like, he's got the cape yeah. and everything, but like for some reason, I feel like yeah, it works oh. there. Oh, um, sorry, I keep bringing Blackula up. Oh, but no, like, there's nothing like, wrong like, with Blackula. I, I sort of see the connective tissue there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're definitely in the same like neighborhood. The um the director. Bob Kelgen, Kelgen, I can't, I, I don't, I forget the last name. He started off as an actor in Twilight Zone and Outer Limits episodes. He directed Act of Vengeance, aka Rape Squad. Do you remember Rape Squad? Yeah. It is a very mm, uncomfortable film. 
<laughs> it's a it's it's a rape or revenge movie where as the, one might imagine the, right? the 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 antagonist makes the his victim sing jingle bells while he takes advantage of them mm. and it's not like it's ugh, like it's hard to watch and the scenes like go on for a bit and there's like multiple of them mm. um yeah and then uh, after these movies which he did and he and he, like especially return like when he kind of like got like the 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 gist of it he uh he uh went back to directing tv <laughs> yeah that's that's it but Um, I need to bring up Rape Squad, though. What a... (laughs) I remember watching that very uncomfortable night with a few friends. Oh, you watched it with people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the worst part. It's the only way to watch those type of movies. Yeah, you feel less guilty, (laughs) oddly enough. Like we're in it together. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If, like, you watch, like, I Spit on Your... You have accomplices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you watch I Spit, like, if you, like, by yourself, you're like, I Spit on Your Grave is, like, my hour and a half of entertainment, right? This says something fucking weird about you. I feel like you did that to me one time. uh, I came over to your house, and you're like, oh, we're watching this movie, and you put it on, it was Child Bread, and I feel like you just... Oh, yeah. You just, like, I don't want to watch this by myself. (laughs) Oh, uh, the, the... The other one... Um... <laughs> I watched not the remake, the soft, not the softcore remake, but the X-rated forced entry with Charles and his girlfriend, the the rape porn from like the early seventies about the gas station attendant that's a a, a, a rape person. It's ugh. yeah, but and but also add the fact that the like the sex scenes are hardcore sex scenes. And seventies porno style, yeah. like it's just hairy, gross bodies. And then they played it at X Fest. Yeah, well, that yeah. was the soft core remake. Right. Yeah. yeah, but we did watch uh, Gums <coughs> at X Fest. So watching a puppet porno, yeah. with a room full of people is always fun. Has anybody got anything to add? No, I think we've flogged these thoroughly yeah obviously Witchfinder general is the best of the of the movies tonight but i still enjoy both of those count yorga movies i concur all right let's just cut it out now <laughs> oh wait no um give us give us contact info before we forget yeah we are on all fucking social media stuff just look for late night psychorama uh night spelled n-i-t-e so we're on twitter at ln psycho does it have any of those line things no what and what's our email late night psychorama at gmail.com okay no spaces or lines all one word do uh, we have facebook yeah late night psychorama okay um do we have a phone number no we don't we should no, have a hotline we, we haven't gone that route we should have a hotline there, like, there are some podcasts that actually do have them on. wait no i'll give you a phone number hold on <laughs> do it <laughs> <laughs> Text me suggestions. Six oh nine eight one three. Nah. All right, ladies and gentlemen. It took me a second. I'm like, where's this going? And then I realized what he was doing. Boils and ghouls. Until next time. Good night and good luck.
Good night. Goodbye. Stop it, please. For God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to... Please stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 Stop it.